God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. For Jesus Christ our Saviour was born on Christmas Day. Oh, hello. Welcome to Sideways. Just practising. It's December now, so our thoughts have turned to Christmas. And this week specifically, Christmas do's. We're talking about Christmas parties and why they represent such a tricky dilemma for people in recovery. If you have to go, we examine some of the ways you might keep yourself safe. In addition, we talk about why alcoholics never stockpile their drink, an extraordinary brush with celebrity, and have a significant difference of opinion over a Scottish delicacy. Office Christmas party. Uh, you've got a touch of the you've got a touch of the omni- omicrons of you this afternoon. <laughs> Oh, I've got a cold going on, mate. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's it's nothing more serious than that. But it's been it's, it's it's laid me low for a couple of days. But I think I'm on the mend. Have you done a test? I haven't. No. Well, you should be doing a test when you've got. I don't even know where to get them from, mate. You can get them from a chemist, or you can uh, order them online. Can you? Oh, yeah, you're putting me at risk not having tested. <laughs> Just by over the over the uh, uh, sort of a computer virus. Yeah, you must be able to catch um, COVID over the internet. I would have thought you can get everything else over the internet, can't you? I mean, you can get drugs on the internet and drink you and your shopping. You must be able to get COVID on it. Everything you like. Yeah, I, I suspect um, it won't be a big call for that. But yeah, <laughs> no. Well, there we go. Anyway, I'm glad to hear you're on the mend. I am on the mend, mate. So, but I'm a little bit croaky. But I think I, I think I, you know, I'm a professional. I'll, I'll I'll just crack on through. <laughs> I think our listeners will be the judge of that, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I've, I've put, I don't I don't think I've even discussed with you ever what um, what my my notes are. No, you haven't. So it's going to be a little bit of a you've got to think on your feet on this one, but I don't think it'll be too much trouble for you because I'm sure you've got uh, a lot of experience in this area. But it's the uh, I wanted to talk to you. It was one of your ideas actually. Oh, was it? Oh, um, and it's. Yeah, it's, it's pretty relevant at this time of year as well. Although, right. um, talking about COVID, it could work very well disrupt it this year, um, which was the, <laughs> the dangers of the office party was what I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. The office, the Christmas do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a, it's, I mean, it's fraught with dangers for everyone, isn't it? There's always problems, there's always fallout from it. There's always issues involved in it. But particularly for those, uh, there's an extra layer of danger, I suppose, for those in recovery. And it's, that's the main area I wanted to look at, but um, that sounds before good. we start, before we start, yeah, this is the, this is our first episode in season five, so episode oh, yeah. five, if, season one. If I get um, the, if it, I get the numbering right, well, quite yeah, but yeah, we've completed two years. We're cracking on, and we're into year three, which is yeah. nice, isn't it? But it was nice to receive uh, some anniversary good wishes from Steve, Steve Gray, one of our regular listeners. That's nice. That is nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, actually, he, he comes up later down um, on, at the end of this episode on the gratitude list. We'll, we'll come back to you. That come back to oh, that later on. I, th- I thought you. I thought you were going to say he comes up in the uh, dodgy Christmas do's section. <laughs> I'm sure he's got his own stories to tell. I'll have to ask him when I see him next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that um, is nice. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but I, also, before we start, there's a couple of points actually. Uh, apart from that one, is that. There's that link you sent me regarding um, alcohol shortages for for Christmas potentially. <laughs> so that would that would affect the office party somewhat, wouldn't it? Well, it would. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it was. I can't remember the exact headline, but the inference was this: this is a proper disaster. 
if we start running low on um, on booze, we're in big trouble. <laughs> I can imagine that the panic that would have set into me if I'd read that headline whilst whilst I was still in the madness. What would you have done? Well, that would have, have been the tricky one because I'd have tried to have stocked up and then I'd have drunk, drunk, I'd have drunk my stock before it got, you know, and, and it would just be this horrible nightmare. The more you buy, as most addicts would tell you, or most alcoholics would tell you, the more you drink. So the, the, you, you'd have to have so much, you'd, you'd, it'd just be the, the sort of routine and drink collapse, drink collapse, sort of thing. What you'd have had to do, would you'd have to go to your, your um, purveyor of choice and you'd have had to say, right, I'm going to buy... Uh, five crates of vodka, but I want you to hold on to them for me and I'll call them off as I need them. That would have sort of been admitting you had an issue and that as <laughs> most discerning addicts would tell you, they go to the ends of the earth to hide the issue away from everyone. So that would have been that would have been a definite no-no, that route. If it, if it uh, came to a choice between admitting you have a problem and not getting any alcohol, that would have been a tricky one, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, it would. Yeah, it would have to get quite serious. Though. I can't imagine for any moment that the the, um, the shops would be running low on alcohol, running out of alcohol. There's no was an alternative. Seems implausible, um, doesn't it? It does seem implausible, and it's so intricately entwined in our society that that to run low on that that would that would that would be riots, I'm sure. Plus, everybody has got at the back of the cupboard a bottle of Cinzano, haven't they? <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> well, no. Obviously, present company accepted, but everybody else has, haven't they? they well, or, I suppose or, so. Or a bottle of cherry brandy, as we did. Uh, that was the one I was going to mention, because there was always some cherry brandy at the bottom of at the, uh, at the back of my parents' uh, drinks cabinet, yeah, that was so dusty and crusty. Yeah, or apricot brandy. Yeah, there's all the rage at one time, yeah. yeah but um, yeah. that was back in the 70s, really. I suspect these days there'd be um, um, different types of gin, craft gins sitting about. Yeah, that's right. Like there's um there's a Bakewell tart flavour gin, isn't there? Is there? Yeah, it's yeah. another way the industry have decided to dress it up to make it more palatable to those people that that don't, don't want to drink uh, or don't like the taste of alcohol. Just get it into people in, in any other way you possibly can. Don't well, get me wanna, started. Don't get me started. Don't get me angry. I'm not very well. They want to do that Google search. How do I force myself to like wine? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. But. Um, uh, just, I mean, I, I wrote these notes before I started to feel ill because I just wanted to mention that I, I wrote these just for a change. I thought I'd write the notes for this episode standing up. Really? All right. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd heard right that um, that uh, Thomas Wolfe, the American novelist, yeah, um, he always used to stand up to write, and I thought, I wonder why that is. But when you, when, when I looked into it, it's because he was he was six foot six, and he found tables a little bit uh, difficult to sit at. And it's in those. He used to stand up and write. He used to use the top of his fridge to 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 write his notes on. Obviously, back in the days where it weren't, they weren't fridge freezers because it had been quite tricky trying to write on top of one of those. <laughs> You'd have to be really tall to do that. But, yeah, Paul uh, would have been so able to do that. He probably would have done. Yeah, yeah, but he used to start at midnight and then write through to dawn. But I didn't do that. But I thought I'd try standing up, and it was just awkward. I didn't. Hmm. I didn't find it, find find it any more inspirational. But it sort of it reminded me. Certainly, when I used to go up to 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 the to the city, as one of my clients up there used to walk on there and walk in there and in the in the office, a lot of the people there had those adjustable height desks. Yeah, so they could sit down and they suddenly could just push the gas lever underneath it and up it would go, and they could stand up for a while. Yeah, it, they considered it was good to be able to do that, and it, and it it made them work better. Um, having tried it, I think I'll, I'll just sit at my desk going forward. Yeah, that's what I do. I mean, you know. Some innovation is good, but not all of it. 
Well, I think I was, I was talking to you the other day. I had stood up for four hours at a gig. And at my age, I started, I thought, you know, I thought, my God, I don't know how much longer I can, I can do this for. <laughs> you, you want to take one of those little picnic chairs. <laughs> so you, right can one, sit, you can sit yeah. down. Anyway, yeah, I've, got, I've got a before we start this week. How have you? Okay. Yeah. So um, I was chatting. I, a friend of mine came down on Sunday and we spent the day together and we were chatting. I don't know how we got around to it, but at one point we were chatting about um, small claims to fame. So uh, brushes okay. you've had with celebrity. Okay. So have you had any brushes with celebrity? You know, like, yeah. so for instance, I think I've mentioned it before. Tom Baker once opened the uh, door to Marks and Spencer's for me and said, <laughs> after you, dear boy. And uh, I worked with someone who dropped a, a, a lot of frozen lobster on Gloria Honeyford's foot. And I was also in a band with someone who once bought half a Guinness for Kate Bush. So it's that sort of stuff. Oh, okay. Um, well, in fact, so I've got a couple, but Gloria Hannaford was mine as well, actually. Really? I to, yeah, I was, I was out in Jersey on right. holiday. Well, it was, it was my birthday, and the, the the girlfriend that I was with at the time, she booked us to go out with a couple of friends. We went to to stay in a hotel in Jersey. Uh, yeah, was was it Jersey or Guernsey? No, Guernsey. Right. I, was, I can't remember now. It was one of, one of the Channel Islands. Gloria Hannaford was staying in the hotel with us. Right. Uh, she and she was um, she was there because they she was doing they do do a, they did a, a lottery and she was sort of facing it and she there was a there was a big lottery draw out the front of the hotel, but yeah she was staying in the in the room right opposite mine. I, I remember going out there in the morning and she was out there picking up her magazines in her dressing gown <laughs> or uh, the newspapers that had been left outside the hotel door. And so we had we had a free a few brief words there. And she also then spoke to me again uh, at breakfast. And then again, we was out. We'd, we'd gone um, uh, co-steering, me and the other chap that was there. Yeah. Um, so we had our wetsuits on. We were swimming around the edge of the island and stuff. And when we got back to uh, to where we were disrobing, she was there again. It's almost like she was stalking me. <laughs> but yeah, Gloria Hunniford, she came up. Um, uh, she would be on my list, certainly. That's a very good one. Well, anyway, the point of this is, that is actually quite a good story. But the point of this is that my friend Prod, told me about the small claim to fame that I think is unbeatable. Okay, go on. He has been trodden on by every member of Radiohead, with the exception <laughs> of Ed O'Brien. But here's the clincher, on separate occasions. My God, how, how, how random is that? So th- I think with three of them, he was trodden on at gigs. Well, they all live in Oxford, so that, pro- that does kind of okay. narrow the odds a little bit. So he was trodden on three of them, uh, trodden on by three of them at different gigs. And then uh, he was trodden on by the fourth uh, at his children's school because his kids went to school at the same uh, school as, I can't remember which one it was. It might have been Johnny Greenwood. I can't remember. So um, he's only got like, he's only got Ed O'Brien miss, uh, missing. So if Ed O'Brien's listening, my friend yeah. would really like you to tread on him. because then, well, exactly. then he can move on to another super group, can't he? He can. Uh, that would see. That would annoy me having one missing like that. Exactly. That would. That, yeah, I wouldn't like that. I'd, what I'd, do you do I'd, about I'd, that? I'd go out my well, I'd, I'd go around um, um, probably a camp outside his house, <laughs> and as he comes out to get his car, just throw myself on the ground and get trodden on. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be <laughs> so yeah. frustrating if he stepped over you, though, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> God, that would really grind your gears. <laughs> but the sort of link on to the office part was really was. Um, I was talking about those. Um, those variable height desks, one of uh, one of my clients up in the city, and and they invited me back. I went to a couple of their their Christmas dues back in the day, and they were they were well, well, well quite hedonistic, really. But um, again, don't really remember them, and it's, it probably wasn't 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 a, a good outcome particularly. 
I mean, uh, looking at, because uh, normally at this part of the episode, I like to do a definition of what we're talking about, but it's not very difficult to define what an office party is, is it? It's a, you know, it's a party with your office pals, basically, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, um, but the, the, the thrust of it, what I wanted to talk about was was surviving the office party with your sobriety intact. That's really what I wanted oh. to look at, and and that that can that can be for people that with or without addiction issues, but certainly with addiction issues, it's a. I would imagine though, if you're certainly if you're early in recovery, you do you move heaven and earth to avoid the office party, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's that's the, that's the basic. That's the first point, really. You know, if if, if possible, don't go. Um, but you, you know how things can be quite tricky to get out of. I remember, you know, you get through three line whips. You know, one of the office parties I had to go to back in the corporate day meant I couldn't. I had to give up my ticket to go and see Queen and Status Quo at Wembley, which I think you you stepped in and took the ticket in the end, didn't you? I did. Yeah, thanks very much. I'm glad you uh, had to go to that. And that was a three line whip. There's no way I was allowed to miss that one because there's a lot of important clients around. So do yeah. Do you, do you think this is one of those situations where? You know, if you are in, I mean, obviously, if you're in active addiction, then it, it creates great opportunity for you. But if you're in recovery, um, isn't this one of those situations where you kind of benefit from having been open about your problem uh, with a um, Christmas party? Yes, it is, and that's again, that's one of the one of the points that when you if you're looking at your sort of a survival kit or survival kit list, that is one of the things. You know, if you can be open with people. Which again, we, I know a lot of people can't. It's mm. it, it's still seen as a well, the stigma attached to being a recovering alcoholic or, or drug addict um, is still looked upon by your fellow workers, especially with the boss. You, don't, you, you, you it depends what sort of relationship you have with people, but there's certain people that are higher up the tree in your um, in, in your in your company that you really wouldn't want to know, want them to know. So I know it can be tough. I mean, I've always been very open, but then again, I didn't have those issues when I was working in the corporate world. I think one so, of the things that one of the things that makes that even more difficult is that, in my experience, quite often people I was working for in the corporate world were massive drinkers. Well, quite, and I think that's. Um, I, I suspect that's probably not quite as, as 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 relevant now. I don't know. Perhaps they don't as much, but um, certainly, I mean, the eighties and ni- early nineties and that sort of thing. It was everyone got drunk. I mean, it was, that was the, that was the, it was the rule almost, wasn't it? Mm. You, used well, to you, certainly, you certainly knew if you went to a work do, you were going to get hammered. That was that. Yeah, you did. And, and people that, that uh, abstained were laughed at, weren't they? And it, it was tr- they're treated in a terrible way, really looking back at it. And all the time, all the years I was in the corporate world, I can only remember one colleague I had that didn't drink. And it was quite a thing, you know, it's quite a, it's quite noteworthy yeah. that you didn't drink. Yeah. Yeah, but they looked upon us a little bit strange, didn't they? But I think the, the phrase you've got to remember is, um, I don't think anyone, everyone has ever, has ever said, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I wish I'd drunk a little bit more in front of my boss and co-workers. That doesn't, <laughs> no one's ever said that. Actually, I've, uh, I've, put, I've put, well, I think I've, I tried to put cohorts down there. So in front of my boss, but I've put on cohorts. They can't be right. <laughs> I suppose, I suppose it's true if you worked in a brothel, but... <laughs> Cohort. <laughs> Imagine that party. Imagine that Christmas party. <laughs> I think you probably have to edit that bit out. But anyway. Uh, you know I'm definitely not going to. <laughs> but I mean, we've all got our own stories to tell, haven't we, about Christmas parties and how wrong they can go. Um, and, and most of them tend to be because of people have been drinking too much. I remember again back in the days when I was working for, for, uh, for an insurance company. Uh, I remember a guy, he was a new guy and he, he came along and it was a, 
he thought it was a plus one. So he brought his wife to the party and no one else had their other halves oh. with him. But, oh, can you imagine that? But also it's, she'd, she'd come in a sort of all dressed. Everyone was, was smart, casual, and she was in an evening dress all poshed up. So I don't know what he told her. I mean, it was... Oh, <laughs> that is painful. I, I bet she had words with him. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> But also, these things just come into mind now. It just, it just reminds me also there's a, a situation where I remember where this uh, a girl that had come to the party worked there. She'd arranged for her boyfriend to come and pick her up afterwards. Yeah. She said that, you know, she could have a few drinks and that'd be fine. But she got so drunk that she forgot that she'd arranged it and organised a taxi home. So <laughs> I remember this because the boyfriend turned up. He's all looking around for her. And we said, no, 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 she's already gone, surely. And, it, and he, was, he was getting quite angry. And he said, you know, we arranged this, he said, several days ago. And I've given up going out of my mates on the lash. So I could say, stay sober, come and pick her up. And now she's got a taxi home. <laughs> so again, that was, but apparently she, she'd got home. And obviously the house was in darkness because he was already on the way to pick her up. Yeah. Uh, she had no keys to get in. And she thought she was at the wrong house. She was so drunk because she was expecting people in. And so, you know, the story went on. It was a terrible shivazzle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we get people now that, um, you know, people that, that come into groups and that are um, in that situation. There's several things we tend to talk to them about. And the first point that you mentioned earlier on was, you know, don't go if you possibly, if you can possibly get away with it. But if you can't, you know, trying to, um, you know, we suggest that we talk to, to people at the, at the groups beforehand, you know, have a chat about it and come up. So lots of people come up with different suggestions. And I just wanted to go through some of those that have come up over the years as to how to deal with this. Can I just ask a question before you get into that? Yes, of course. So I understand, you know, the difficulty if you want to get out of a Christmas do, but you can't. There's a kind of three line whip or there's a kind of expectation that you need to go. But there must also be situations where people wherever they are in their recovery kind of overestimate their ability to deal with a situation like that and think yeah. oh, i want to go it'll be fun but actually it turns out that it's a real tricky situation for them and, and perhaps in some cases a kind of bridge too far you, you you must see that as well i imagine yeah you do well it, it's, it's such a it's a multiple trigger situation it really is um right so you've got to be really careful um you know but talking about it beforehand and, and and flagging up that you you have issues with that, I think is is right because everyone everyone a lot of people on the groups would have been in the same situation. You can talk about how they dealt with it. Yeah, and we try we always try to recommend that um, you know the acronym HALT: hung, uh, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yeah. They're sort of they're sort of a, 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 the triggers. Make sure none of those apply before you go, uh, right. because you've got to get your mindset about right before you enter into that potential bear pit. So it's, it is a tough one, um, and. Range of what we always ask them to do as well, and I've, I've actually been on the end of the phone for people that have, that have been to these sort of parties to arrange people that you can talk to or text if things get a bit triggery. So just have your phone with you; you can just text, and you can take yourself out of the situation. Which how, how, start, would, that, how would that how would that actually work in practice? So if you're if you're in the midst of something, you think, "Crikey, yeah. I'm, I'm in a bit deep here," and you yeah. text someone or you call someone. What yeah? How what happens next that that well, you, t- you would you, find you helpful? To- well, we tend to, I mean, in the situation I was talking about, we just talked about, we was having a bit of a, we lightened the mood, really, because he was telling me people that were at the party that looked like famous people. Oh, okay. looked, like, looked like other people. So he took talking about the situation. Um, that was just by text. Um, so so just the, the, the fact that he was texting was taking him away from these triggers that were around him. So that made it. So it's like a distraction, it. really. Yeah, very much. And, yeah. Uh, 
and then we just carried on. We had a few texts, and then again, he he he, um, he, he was able to drive home later on. But right. it just took him away out of the situation, so that was fine. But that that was that, which was a good point because he could tell people and say, "Look, I can't drink. I'm driving." Um, right. If the, if your colleagues don't know, the next best thing is to 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 put up because you you know what it's like. People at parties can be very pushy, especially those people that do drink a lot. Yeah. As, as, as we've talked about in the past, and I would have probably been the same. You want people to be drinking along with you. You but want if, people if, to, to get involved. If you if you went to a if you went to a Christmas do, and you said uh, I can't drink because I'm driving, then how would you handle the inevitable? Why are you driving? It's Christmas do. Well, well, it's yeah. I mean, there's you can go down a, a little river, a rabbit hole there if you're not careful. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, you can just say when well, no, I couldn't get a taxi or whatever. You know, you can't. Yeah. The lies can go on if you're not careful, which was which is which is easy yeah. if you just say to people, like, "I've got an issue with it. I can't drink." But yeah. some people are still not still uh, will still be pushy. They're not interested in that. They, yeah. they don't see it as an issue. If you say I've got a bit of a drink problem, I say, "Well, I just have a couple then." Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that sort yeah. of attitude. It's an un- a misunderstanding. So rather than go through all the rigmarole of why that isn't the right thing to do, you just but you just say. I can't tonight, or I'm on medication and I can't, I yeah. can't mix it. Can't mix it with the drink. Did you ever come across people who have been able to say, uh, well, I don't drink because I don't like it and I don't want to? Yes. Do you, do you ever find people that are, that are, you know, strong enough in themselves to be able to effectively tell the other person, I'm choosing what I do, <laughs> I'm choosing uh, what yeah. I do and I don't have um, to, and I, and I don't have to uh, justify it to you. Uh, yeah. My older daughter, my oldest daughter does right. exactly that. Yeah, she just because she doesn't drink and uh, she genuinely doesn't like the taste. So people yeah. say she does go out for it, meets up with some of her old school pals from time to time, mm-hmm. and she says, "No, I just don't like the taste of it." And mm. that's the end of it. But I understand that now, and that's fine. She doesn't have to go anything any further than that. Have you ever met anyone in recovery who's taken that line and and <laughs> is able to? I know, I know, it's not. A, I know, I know, it's not strictly speaking true, but you know, if you're in recovery, it is per it is perfectly legitimate, isn't it, for you to say, "Well, I don't drink because." I've stopped drinking. I don't like it. And, you know, it doesn't do anything for me. And that's it. That's the end of the story. Have you ever met anyone that's been able to do that? No. I mean, um, mostly, I mean, again, if, I, if I've been in that situation, if I don't want to go into it. I just say, say look, I've, I've had a bit of a problem with drink in the past. Um, so I just, you know, I've, 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 I'm on the wagon. Mm. And, and, it, and, and and it gets rid of all the, except the most persistent of people that want, it, want you to, to join in their drinking fun. But no. It's it's it, normally most people, ninety nine percent of people, will leave it there. Also, I find, and what we do sort of recommend is that if um, if you are in a place like that, find the other people that aren't drinking and stick with them. So you don't have to be around those people that are getting a bit pissed because those people that the heavier drinkers tend to congregate together. So stick with us. Find yourself a pregnant woman to go and talk to. That's always the best. Because <laughs> yeah, just be careful of that advice. <laughs> well, yeah, it's. I mean, but there's it's quite a good one because. Obviously, there's there aren't any um, issues at stake there, are they? Not as if you're going to chat the girl up or, or whatever, you know. It's, um, and she yeah. would understand, and that's fine, and everyone's happy. Have you ever, or have you known anyone who's been in that sort of situation that will gravitate towards someone who isn't drinking and discovered a, a, a fellow recovering alcoholic? Oh yeah, yeah. Right, that must be yeah. quite. I mean, I imagine that must be quite. Well, I was going to use the word nice. Perhaps nice isn't quite the right word, but must be quite kind of comforting in a way. Um, yeah, I think I, mean, I was at a party with you, and that happened. Yeah. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were. And 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 and, and you suddenly become extremely good friends <laughs> yeah. very quickly. 
Well, you know, you, you know something pretty significant about one another, don't you? You do. Yeah, yeah. There's instant bond, yeah. and yeah, it makes it easy for the pair of you. Yeah. But again, uh, going back to just uh, it's just having your exit strategy in place as well. So, you know, if you if things do get triggery, you can, you know, have a, have have the option to go away. Which is why if you you know if you're driving, um, the trouble is that, you know, a lot of people that come into recovery often have lost their license through drink drive because they haven't got a car anyway. <laughs> so. Um, but if you are if you are lucky enough to have, have, have retained your your license throughout your heavy drinking period, um, then you know it's 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 have have it make sure you drive to these places and have your car close by so that you can get away. Or you know, alternatively, you can you can just disappear. What you used to do is you were a career disappearer. You were. I was. But that you, was in you the, invented ghosting before it even bloody existed. I, I, I was an early proponent of the art. Early yeah, doctor. <laughs> I just find, again, you should find it much easier just to say nothing, disappear, and pick up the pieces later on. But it, it, that can it has its own issues because then people start to think you're a missing person, you know. And so yeah, it can. Be, oh, I never can be thought. A, I never thought that. I just thought you were rude. Well, exactly. Well, people yeah. were used to it. I think it was the first couple exactly. of times people thought, "What's going on?" And then it became almost like, almost like a calling card for me, didn't it? Exactly. So, I mean, I never associated it with a drink problem. No, no, it's weird, just, isn't it? I just thought you were being a knob. Well, well I think well, there was a lot of that in it, wasn't there? Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I wonder, though, just going back to this kind of whole, um, uh, the attraction of the office party, you know, we've we've yeah. spoken before about how being in recovery in some senses can make you feel like a little bit of an outlier. If you understandably kind of are able to get get out of the office party, the, the, the Christmas do or whatever, and you don't go to it, I, I guess for a lot of people, there's it must be, they must feel like there's a risk that they're kind of ostracizing themselves and they're cutting themselves off and they're, they're making it kind of more difficult to um, create bonds and connections with people in, in the kind of everyday work situation. It's a real tough one, isn't it? It is a tough one. Um, you get, you, we can refer back to one of our previous episodes, which we did on FOMO, the fear of missing out. Yeah. And I think that's, that is quite relevant there. Yeah. Um, they always used to say that so a lot of business and a lot of contacts were made, um, where people used to go to the smoking room, you know, these days would be going outside for a smoke. You go outside there, and your boss is having a smoke as well. All of a sudden, there's this it's in some bonds created, isn't it? That's right. And they, then, then you're in line for promotion. All of well, a exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's it, it is a tough one, uh, and one which has to be handled delicately. Um, but it's 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 more than survivable for us people in recovery, mm. and it makes you stronger for when the next time it comes around. That's for sure. Mm. If you know. Uh, a corporate do is coming up try to get involved on the you know as a volunteer or one of the one of the helper one of the helpers on the party as well that was a point that was made which i'd never done myself um but it was when i was researching this that that, that tend to be a quite a good one it takes a bit of organizing beforehand but also if you volunteer to help you, you, you tend to be quite busy and rushed off your feet during the party so don't don't get time to be to be thinking about drinking you're not That's standing good. around yeah um, so you're distracted from the main issues yeah yeah, that's a good idea. As long as you don't end up uh, getting um, pulled into work behind the bar, well, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be the one of the things you would avoid, wouldn't it? You'd you'd you'd, you'd be in charge of arranging the uh, the band, or you know, looking after the band, or doing whatever. And it's anything else you can do. Martin, that, that, do you mind having a go on the bar? We're a bit short stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be proper triggery. Though we have had people that are in recovery that have um, that have worked in bars. Get um, out. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but um, it pretty soon becomes clear that that's not a career path they should be 
uh, engaging in or, or, or beyond whilst they're in recovery, that's for sure. Way too, yeah. way, way too tough. The last point I'd say on that is that if you are in that situation, um, enjoy watching the other people making the fools of themselves. And yeah. in your own mind, you think, I'm not going to have a hangover in the morning. I certainly have done that. I can remember once at a corporate do um, some bloke got absolutely rat-assed and goosed the, the president. And that oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> he got severe. I'll tell you the other thing that I remember, on two at least two separate occasions where salespeople in the organisation ended up getting fired because they stayed overnight in the hotel, but driving away in the morning, they were still over the limit. Oh, got, no. got pulled over and lost their licenses. Yeah. So that so I certainly certainly remember that happening. I don't really remember much about my own exploits. It's easier to remember that from my college days. I can remember getting yeah. absolutely hammered on Perno and Black and uh and <laughs> you're like this and getting back into Mason and going to the record shop and buying Chicago's hard to say I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, I think you'd have to be pretty. You've got to still be drunk to to walk into a record shop and 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 pick that one up. That's for sure. And you know, if you do stand around and watch these people making the fool of themselves, you can be grateful you're not going to have a hangover in the morning, and grateful you're not going to have to pick up the pieces from from bad behaviour that you you would potentially have got involved in the night before. Oh, that's uh, that's a nice little segue. Exactly onto the gratitude list. Yes. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, funny enough, uh, that that was that was one of the things that I have been grateful for this week. And it's not something that I've necessarily experienced this week, but it's something that I haven't experienced this week or for any weeks in the last goodness knows how many. And that is not having a hangover. Yeah. Now when I see my kids now, particularly Tom and his girlfriends, who, you know, she likes a bit of drink. Yeah. Don't worry everybody that she's um, trained to be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let that worry you. But when I see them absolutely knocked out, I think, oh, I'm so, so glad I haven't had that horrible sensation in the morning for as long as I can remember. I know it's a very simple thing and it sounds a bit sort of holier than now, but it is a genuine thing that I feel grateful for that I'm not attracted by that and therefore I don't have to pay the price for it. No, it's tough because it's one of those things you put up with when you're an alcoholic, uh, you put up with that. But then again, you're rarely sober enough for it to kick in, so yeah. it's it's not it's not a big issue. It's on the lead up to those to that point in your uh, in, in your addiction where you are still having periods where you're not drinking a great deal. Then yeah, the hangovers are awful. So mm-hmm. yeah, be grateful for that. And I think it's a good it's good to have that on your gratitude list. Everyone should have that, that that's, that's gone out and abstained and come home and said, "Yep, yeah, I'm going to I'm so grateful. I'm going to be I'm going to be feeling okay in the morning." Um, well, what I wanted to put on my list, um, I mentioned Steve at the beginning of the episode. I wanted to, to um, well, my, my gratitude is haggis, basically. <laughs> oh, God, I can't stand it. <laughs> Absolutely lovely. And I'm very grateful that Steve and his his wife, Tracy, who, I mean, Steve is, is Scottish anyway, so he's often back up in, the, up in, the, up in Scotland seeing his mum. And um, and he bought me back a you know a proper haggis there, which oh. I, I'd said I really like. And he said, "Oh, yeah, I'll get you on next time up there," and bought one back for me. So I was oh. very grateful for that. And well, I haven't eaten it since. It's absolutely delicious. Well, you're flipping welcome to it because I think it's grim. Well, I buy it from time to time from the local supermarket, do you? but it's yeah, I do. Yeah, I love it, oh. but it's it's not the same as getting it from a from a butcher's in Scotland. You know, it's just freshly shot on the moors. The little haggis is running around. They shoot them, <laughs> bag them up, and sell them on. And there it was, in you know, a little haggis. Do you have it with tatties and neeps? Well, I had it with some potatoes, but um, 
I didn't have any um, any parsnips or anything for it to go with. Mm. Oh. So I just I just have I like it just with potatoes and um, yeah, just a, just some crusty bread or just just some crusty bread and haggis is lovely. I've had it once and that was more than enough. Thanks. Oh, no, no, you're missing out. But that's on my gratitude list anyway. So I was grateful not just for the actual. I guess itself, but the fact that it was brought back from Scotland by. Well, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that other people are eating the haggis, and I don't have to. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to move on from that then, since you've started to turn your nose up. I, yeah. I was, I was all alongside your gratitude, um, but no, you know, you had to throw mine back and say no, it's horrible. You shouldn't. You shouldn't give in order to receive. Oh well, no, that's probably true. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, that's me told, isn't it? Yeah, bloody is. <laughs> sickness or no sickness. <laughs> um, right, so on this Spotify search, when I, when I put party in initially, I'm, there's loads on there, but there was one I thought, oh, yeah, Graham would probably like that. I don't know the track. There's one uh, by Boston just called Party, and I thought, oh, I expect he's all <laughs> yeah, over I that, know one. that one. I know that yeah, one. I thought you would do, yeah. <laughs> Fight you feel like, like Boston, like I do about haggis. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> we'll get very bitty today. <laughs> you, you, you had a, you had a taste of Boston and didn't much like it. I had a taste of haggis, and didn't much like that. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, I'm going to move on. Fight, to, fight for your right to party. Yeah, that came out the Beastie Boys. Yeah. It was just called Fight for Your Right, so I had to add that on the to party bit in there just to uh, to sneak it in. Yeah, okay, I, I can, quite like I can allow you that artistic license. But I remember you liked um, you liked Let's Party by Jive Bunny, didn't you? I know you used to you loved that all the time. When that was big, so I know you remember. Uh, well, get the, let's get this get this party started by Pink. That was yeah, a, I can't that was, stand that. I can't stand a, that. No, it, it just reminds me of Ricky Gervais in the office when he come when he come running in singing that. Um, the only other one, well, the, the party's over by Shirley Bassey. That came up, which is a, one of the most dreadful songs I've ever listened to. But if you're a Bassey fan, I'm sure I reckon, you'd like so would it. You, would your mum have liked that? Probably, yes. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was the right sort of song, but it no, it's 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 morose. It's not. I good. can't really think of any songs with party in there. No, it's quite it was quite tough, really. But the one the one I'm going to add on, um, it's the first time we've had a, an a cappella group to go on the list, and this is by is it's the, the Flying the, Pickets. No, it's not. It's a it's 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 a it's a professional a cappella group from the USA. Um, they're called Straight No Chaser. Um, well, I'm surprised you put that on there. Well, well, they did one called Office Party Blues, which is which is just lovely. Okay. So I popped it on the list. I've let them slide. I've let the, I've let the name of their group slide because of the the quality of their of their, their particular work. track. And, and I've listened to some of their other work as well, and it's it's good. I mean, you know, I'm not a big a cappella fan in the past, but there's some. Very nice stuff on there, especially the this bluesy one. It's really nice where they sort of get the twelve bar bluesy feel. Will you, will you be playing it at your Christmas party? Probably not on my own. Yeah. Well, I thought perhaps you and Les have a Christmas do, <laughs> where you we share. Could, a, you could share a M and S turkey feast sandwich, couldn't you? We could do that. We have had we have had Christmas do's in Ninja Tim and I. Have you? Yeah. Yeah, I've not had a Christmas do at Graham Landy Wellbeing. <laughs> We're talking about that. I did listen to some of your music. You know, on your your sort of your, your newsletter, which I think it was the Autumn Twenty One newsletter. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, the, the playlist. Yeah, yeah. There's a playlist on there which I I, I did listen to some of them. There's a track on there by a group called Bird Talker. Yeah, it's um, great, isn't it? Yeah, the track is I know. I think it is. Yeah. And I thought I thought, hang on, Graham's actually chosen something which is vaguely good here. What the hell was going on? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a little bit more. 
I don't know if it, uh, the, the tempo is a little bit bright and cheery as far as, <laughs> as far as your normal choice is concerned. Well, you know, my, maybe my musical tastes have changed. You won't find a lot of American rock in my playlists these days. Oh, wow. Wow, no. Yeah, so there you go. You also yeah. won't find any bloody haggis in them. <laughs> well, we'll have to find some songs about haggis. There must be some. <laughs> I swear there are, yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, well, get well soon. Thank you, mate. And I'll, yeah. uh, we'll speak soon. Laters. Laters. Bye. Bye. Sideways was created by Graham Landy and Martin Pankhurst. If you want to read more about our work or sort through the extensive archive of past episodes, just visit grahamlandywellbeing.co.uk forward slash sideways dash podcast. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at Sideways Podcast. And you can email us if you have a question or if there's something you'd like us to cover. But most of all, we want to tell you how grateful we are that you come and listen. And we ask that if you've enjoyed what you've heard, that you spread the word. And we'll see you next week.